Welcome to another episode of Behind the Blazer. I'm your host, Scott Sempier. You've heard about him and his impact in a number of other episodes, and I'm pleased to say that in this episode, I talk on the phone with Dr. Robert G. Hamilton, the founder of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. He talks about his time building the choir over 37 years, touring with the boys, and what the choir means to him today. Enjoy. Behind the Blazer is the official podcast for the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. For over 50 years, the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale has been entertaining audiences near and far as America's ambassadors of song. The Emmy-winning and Grammy-nominated program has toured regions and countries of all inhabited continents, performing for many dignitaries and in many of the world's premier concert venues. This podcast, Behind the Blazer, reveals the stories from the choir through interview format. I just want to say welcome to the show, Dr. Hamilton. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. As we get started, I just I wanted to know, how did you come to form the Philadelphia Boys Choir? Can you tell us about the origins? Well, are you ready for a little story? Absolutely. I, I won't go, I'm not going to go back to the, my very beginning, but uh, I, I went to Carnegie Mellon University. I was admitted to Phi Beta Cap in my junior year and graduated with a double bachelor's degree in performance and music education, and later a master's degree in piano and composition. In 1975, the Alumni Association of Carnegie Mellon University bestowed upon me uh, the Merit Award, the Alumni Merit Award for Exceptional Accomplishment in the Alumnus, in the alumnus Chosen ex- uh, Occupation. Uh, in 1966, I became the recipient of a doctor, Doctorate of Music from Combs College of Music, and I was appointed Supervisor of Music for the School District of Philadelphia, a position I held until 1981. When I resigned from the school system to devote my full energies to the to the Philadelphia Boys Choir. Uh, now, what can I tell you about the Boys Choir? Well, during my time with the choir, and by the way, I started the choir for a lot of reasons. I graduated from Temple University. Okay. Also, with a, another doctorate degree in music. Okay. And they wanted me to teach there, and I said no. I remember when I was a young boy, I loved to sing. So I've decided to start a boys' choir. And that's how it started. I took over a boys' choir from somebody who was who retired. Okay. And it wasn't very good. But I, I listened to each boy, and I thought, no, nah, <laughs> I don't know where they came from, but many of these kids just can't sing. Oh, wow. But, Anyway, I went, I don't know how familiar you are with Philadelphia, or with, uh, yeah, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But I started a, a boys' choir at girls' high school, and I auditioned them, and one by one, and it started that way. And it developed, till finally we had a home at uh, 
and okay. we called it the embassy because <laughs> I, I had taken the boys during my course. I took them to, I did 28 international tours with the boys. Wow. And I raised all the money to take them. And also that included the men's corral. Well, it started out with just the boys. Actually, sure. it started out in 1968, a Mexican tour. And then it went from there. And I'll just give you an idea. I did a European tour, and then it was the Soviet Union. Wow. <laughs> Sweden, Denmark, Finland, Poland, and then on to South Pacific tour of Australia, New Zealand, and California. Then I did an African tour to Kenya, Belgium, Japan, Osaka, Kyoto, Tokyo, Hawaii, world tour of Japan, Thailand, Singapore, Denmark, England, then I did a United States tour, mm -hmm. Denver, San Francisco, Las Vegas, St. Louis. Then I did a second world tour, People's Republic of China, Egypt, Pakistan. Wow. <laughs> that time China wasn't the problem it is today. Mm -hmm. And then a Canadian tour, Calgary, Knox, and Banff. Then I did an East Concert tour, Washington, D.C., Florida. Then I did a Philadelphia Tricentennial tour on the Queen Elizabeth II, transatlantic to London, Southampton, that we sang aboard ship. Then an England tour, Queen Elizabeth II, transatlantic, London. Hmm. That was 1983. Okay. Then in 1984, I did a second European tour of France, Italy, and Monaco. And they, in 1985, a third European tour to Yugoslavia and Greece. 87, 19, Let Freedom Sing, a tour of the 13 original colonies in celebration of the bicentennial of the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, I think that was uh, Jeff Smith's first tour, he said. It was. In 1988, Ireland tour, Dublin, Waterford, Wexford, in celebration of the city of Dublin's millennium. 89, Germany tour, Bonn, Hennef, Nuremberg, Hamburg, Cologne, Dusseldorf, East Berlin. And then 90, East of the Middle East, Israel and Jordan, loved that tour. Hmm. Then in 19, the USSR tour, Leningrad, Moscow, Yugoslavia, Rostov. We had to get special permission from, the, from our government. Then in 92, Australian tour, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Cairns. In, 20, in 1993, the 25th anniversary tour of England, Scotland, and Wales. 94, the Central European tour, Czech Republic, Slovak Republic, Hungary, Poland. Then the Switzerland tour, Basel, Winterdorf, Andelfinger, Andelfinger, Uter Agri, a good guy, I forget all these names. <laughs> and then Australia, another Australian tour, love it, because we sang with the Australian Boys Choir. Oh, wow. Melbourne, Adelaide, Alice Springs, Ayers Rock, Sydney. And the conductor of the Australian Boys Choir is still a very good friend of mine to this day. And did you meet him? Me, I'm sorry, what was that? He called me last night. Cause they're, they're going through what we're going through. Yeah. Then in 97, South Africa, Cape Town, Johannesburg, Kimberley, Pretoria, 1998, the Old South Tour, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Natchez, Victor, Vicksburg, St. Francisville. 99, the Cuban tour, Havana, Rio, Manassas, Santiago, 
Then a Germany tour and Russia tour, Berlin, Hanover, and then in 01, China and Korean tour, Beijing, Tianjin, Seoul, and all together, they were all the tours that I did. And as I said, we raised all the money to take the boys and the men. Uh, do you want any of my background? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued by all of this touring and everything. What inspired you to take the boys' choir on so many tours and where you went? Because it had never been done before. <laughs> I was always one to try new things. And uh, I, I negotiated all the airlines, all the hotels. And, but I tell you what the boys really loved were homestays. Now, of course, in my day, there were no computers. I did this all by phone. Right. I, call, I called all over Europe, ranged, and then I would work with other choirs, and I would say, if we could put the boys in the homes of your boys, when you come to Philadelphia, we'll put your choir in our homes. And many times that worked. That's and the great. boys loved homestays. Yeah, to this day, they still talk about that. Oh, absolutely. I guess if I look back on my whole career, the most important thing in my life was the boys' choir. And I still, in fact, I just sent a check, <laughs> it's tough times right now, to Jeff to help continue his work because he has taken the choir on tours as much as I did. Well, I don't, I'm not as much, or not to as many countries, but he's still doing, he's doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. And uh, I'm so proud of him. So that's about it. Okay. What else can I tell you? Well, <laughs> when you when you started this choir over 50 years ago at this point, what was your greatest hope and expectation for the choir itself? Well, I wanted it to be the finest choir, boys' choir in the world. And we buried the Vienna Boys' Choir years and years ago. Well, I mean buried. I think we're far better than they are. And... Jeff has taken it even higher. During my career, we were invited to the White House twice to give concerts for President Richard Nixon and President George Bush. Oh, wow. And uh, the choir also holds the distinction of being the first American performing arts group to visit Cuba in the 40 years following the Cuban Revolution. And the choir returned to Cuba in, to compete in the Santiago Choral Festival in 1999 and again in 2003. So I think the, the secret to their sound lies in their breathing. I used to take the boys and put, have them lie down. <laughs> this, this is not child abuse because the parents would watch me. Yeah. And I'd put books on their on their diaphragm and teach them how to breathe so they would bounce the books off their diaphragm and today i can't tell you the alumni send me emails saying if it hadn't been for that i wouldn't sing today like i do <laughs> wow here yuki washington explains not just what the philadelphia boys choir and corral has taught him but also how the breathing exercise continues to impact him today I've learned just so much in how I carry myself uh, in every day of life, in every day of life, how I dress, how I speak, uh, 
how I do the news, how I breathe. It's unbelievable. I do the news every night, and I still use diaphragmatic breathing that we did in the choir. What made you think to use that exercise? I don't know. I think it was just something, it was just in my imagination. Hmm. But, I mean, I never studied voice. Well, I mean, you sing, and, I mean, I conduct. Before I started the voice choir, I conducted the Frankfurt High School Choir. And while I was conducting, this is a fun story, there was this boy going down the hall, and he was singing, and I went up to him, and I said, do you like to sing? No, I can't sing. Yes, you can. I'm listening. So I took him aside. Guess who it was? Joe Bonzel from the Oak Ridge Boys. Oh, wow. And I went to see him here in, in Florida mm-hmm. about um, some months ago at the Strawberry Festival. They were singing the Oak Ridge Boys, mm-hmm. and he invited me backstage. And he said, if it hadn't been for you, there'd be no Oak Ridge Boys. He said, I owe my whole career to you. Wow. So it's been quite a career. Sure. Every moment. Here, we'll recall the interview moments where other Behind the Blazer guests discussed how Dr. Hamilton influenced their experience of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. Do you have other role models that you can look back on? Who were they and what did you learn from them? Certainly my predecessor, Dr. Hamilton. He was the model of what I would needed to do, you know, what I needed to be. So I, I looked greatly towards him. And even, you know, as a kid before I knew I was taking over, I certainly looked up to him and respected him for his musicianship, as well as the way he kept the choir in shape and kept the boys in line. And Gordon File, who was on the video, mm-hmm. and if you remember after seeing the video, Gordon said, when it comes to the people, the, the influential people in his life, and it's the same for me and probably for everybody who's been in the choir since 1968, first there's God, then there's our parents, and then there's Dr. Hamilton. When we got to help out the choir on the 50th anniversary with uh, Shenandoah, mm-hmm. that was an amazing experience because all of the people in the choir, beginning cadets, advanced cadets, and performing choir and chorale, all came together just to sing one song conducted by the conductor from like past times, uh, Dr. Hamilton. I can only imagine, how does that feel to hear all these people saying what a role model you are? It makes very, what can I say? It makes my entire life meaningful. And I feel like I've accomplished something worthwhile. Wow. Yeah, that's... It's pretty uh, powerful endorsement, and uh, and it's it's really truly wonderful. Of course, um, having started this program and formed it into what it is today, and and then eventually when you retired and handed it to Jeff Smith, it's just continuing on as you've said. Um, yeah. It's really really awesome to hear all this feedback of uh, of how you've influenced people and, and everything. What. Um, what challenges did you endure in the beginning stages as you wanted this to be the world premiere choir? What kind of obstacles did you face in that? By nature, I'm very competitive. Okay. And this goes back into college because uh, <laughs> when I was in college, I was a member of the Alpha Tau Omega fraternity. 
Well, they had won every every sports event on campus. One thing they had never won was Greek sing. They called it when all the fraternities sang at Carnegie Music Hall, mm-hmm. and they uh, they never came in. They never even placed. So I took I took. Mind you, these are college guys, right? And I started to work with them, and I I, I really busted them, and we won Greek Sing for the first time. And then the next year, we won Greek Sing. <laughs> I still I still have the recordings. So I think that I think that that need for competitive success started really there long before the boys choir. And I started piano lessons when I was four. That was my mother. And I, lo- I love the piano. I have a concert grand in my living room right now. A Steinway <laughs> concert grand. And I still play. Wow. And uh, I- I'll be up. I told Jeff, it's- I'd love to conduct one more time. So that'll be in June. <laughs> if this- we can get over this sure. mess we're going through right now. Exactly. Right. Hopefully by June it will be over and I can get up and conduct one more time. Yeah, I, I had the privilege of seeing you conduct at the 50th anniversary and seeing all the different alumni and all the different groups come together and be under your baton. Uh, it was a special feeling. How did that feel to come back for the 50th anniversary like that? Oh, I, was, I was incredibly moved and so appreciative of that, of all of them. I just, this has been a great life for me. That's wonderful. What about your son? Well, my son is in his second year in the performing choir. He was an advanced cadet at that concert that I just mentioned at the 50th anniversary. And oh, wow. So, yeah, he, he's done beginning cadets, advanced cadets, and now he's in his second year in the performing choir. Um, oh, great. So, yeah, he's just loved this program. Our family has really loved the PBCC and what it has done for us and especially for our son. It's been tremendous. Oh, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Well, you made my day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Going back to the early days and how you were establishing this this now world-renowned choir, how did you garner support in the beginning? I know you said about you know calling home stays and, and whatnot, but how did you make it so that it was so financially supported. Oh, boy. <laughs> a lot of years here. Well, we had newspaper drives, old newspaper drives. And I could fill a whole schoolyard with newspaper. And chocks would come and pick it up, but I'd sneak in at night and water, water the paper to weigh it down heavier. <laughs> and on a, on a newspaper drive, I could make $2,000 in one drive. Wow. Also, I worked with the government, the city government, for funds. Okay. And I was very successful year after year raising, of getting money to support the choir. <laughs> so I just celebrated my 84th birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I can't tell you how many cards I got from alumni. <laughs> Dr. Hamilton, of course, is very proud of his time establishing the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. He's proud of the adventures through touring and also the young men he taught, influenced, and helped develop. After our interview, 
Dr. Hamilton sent me some of his mementos from the time he had in the choir, including a program from the QE2, a program from performing at Carnegie Hall, and a copy of the citation he received from Mayor Jim Kenney, citing the lasting impression on the cultural life of our city. During his tenure, Dr. Hamilton broke through social, political, and cultural barriers to invite the most talented boys and men in the region to join in a journey of musical education and discovery. Mayor Kenny recognizes Dr. Hamilton for nearly 2 million miles of travel to 48 countries, and he commends Dr. Hamilton for the excellence to sing before Pope, presidents, and royalty alike. And now for the conclusion of our interview. I'm especially curious as to, you know, the transition when you decided to leave the choir and hand it over, basically. We've heard from Jeff Smith about that, but I'd like to hear from you about how, you know, you came to the decision of the retiring and the emotions you were going and through and, you know, how you chose Jeff Smith as the next uh, director. Well, there were two. There was Jeff and John Stroud. John's a fine musician. But Jeff not only had the piano skill, he had the conducting skill because he had worked with Philharmonic. No, I forget the orchestra that he conducts. Mm -hmm. But I felt he was the man for the job. And I sure was right. Now, John is his, is the second guy in charge. Yes. But Jeff, I felt really not only had all the the tools. He had the piano skill, the conducting skill, but he had the love of the job in a way that I knew he'd be the man to succeed me. That's awesome. From what he's told us, you brought him in and you kind of took him under your wing for a couple of years so that the transition would be one that would he would just ease into that role. Right. What was your strategy for that? <laughs> sure. How I was thinking. Sure. But I, I know I made the right choice. Right. I mean, Jeff has done a phenomenal job with the choir. I'm very proud of him. Yeah, he has been continuing the excellence and the high standards that you started. And it's been a tremendous, tremendous experience to be part of the choir. And I was telling you how I taught them to breathe. Yes. When parents would watch, <laughs> one mother came up to me, she says, Dr. Hamilton, myself <laughs> i'm going to put weights on my diaphragm and see if i can breathe like my son can <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun yeah a lot of hard work sure but you live it 24 hours a day and that's why i'm a single guy because <laughs> my whole life i i lived breathed ate drank boys choir it was my life and to know that you had that life for 37 years before you did eventually retire, that must have been really difficult to say, okay, it's, it's time. It was. it was. But when I came down here, to, when I came down to Florida, I had to get out of that snow and ice. Mm -hmm. uh, when I came down to Florida, I started a church choir down here, an adult church choir. And they, within a year, <laughs> they, were, they traveled too. Oh, cool. So. Anyway, thank you.
Thank you. It's really awesome to have had this time with you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. It's been great learning about the origins of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale and the original conductor and artistic director, Dr. Robert G. Hamilton. For Behind the Blazer, I'm Scott Sempier. This has been a podcast of Behind the Blazer, the official podcast of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. To buy tickets for the next performance, support, hire the choir, or audition, go to our website at phillyboyschoir.org.